maybe. I like that. Huh? That's good, huh? God handled it all. That's good. Boy, I like when he handles it all. And he does anyway, right? If we think we're handling it, we got it mixed up, don't we? Well, let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to go ahead and read the 12 verses, the first 12 verses of the chapter. And we're going to take a look at the passage. Uh, we're probably going to hold off on a new series kicking off here. We've got a lot of things going on. Next week, of course, we'll have some of our teenagers, and they'll be sharing. Uh, we're going down the contest. They're headed down there this week, and so they'll be uh, sharing and performing there. Uh, our, some of the young people will be doing some preaching and things. We'll get them back here and give them an opportunity to share and minister to us as well. So the next Sunday night will be tied up, and then we've got that'll put us. Let's see, that'll put us at the third or something, sixth, I think it is. And then you have a week there, and then you got uh, one more week, and then you have two weeks where. Well, Sunday nights, I won't even be around hardly other than to listen to some good preaching, and we'll have some of our special guests in, and we'll be having a great time with our 25th anniversary and, of course, Brother Moon. And so I don't think I'm going to get started on a series here just because there's only two more weeks after this, and then there'll be a two-week break and all that stuff. So anyway, wow. That's how my mind's working. I'll tell you what, I was telling my wife on the way to church tonight, I, I, I said, um, uh, you know, it's interesting. I don't even want to go there. But anyway, <clears throat> come on. What? I, trust me, it wasn't anything juicy or good, brother. But anyway, uh, but, but so, so anyway, I, I was telling her, I said, you know, um, I got to stop and think now. That, that broke my train of thought there. I'm getting a little older. Um, oh, I said, I believe, I feel like the month of March is already over. I mean that. I I know that that sounds kind of crazy, but for me, I'm already living into the, I'm on the 24th already. Okay, for me. And that's the end of the month, right? So, so, you know, I've been focusing and the staff's been focusing on the end of the month, the end of the month, the end of the month. And uh, then, of course, you got your promotion time. We've got uh, a great emphasis uh, in the month of uh, April with our promotion and things like that. So everything's kind of move in that direction. And so for me, it's, it's very difficult. I feel like March is almost already over, even though we're just finishing up February. So uh, bear with me if it seems like I'm living in the future. <laughs> uh, I feel like I am sometimes. But anyway, uh, nonetheless, 1 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. You can't wish your life away, though. You've got to live today, right? So, uh, boy, I tell you what, I, I am. I, I'm not excited about uh, 2019 being over with, but before we know it, it'll be gone. You know, I mean, that's my mentality at least. But anyway, uh, so we got to make the best of every day, don't we? All right, let's make the best of this next few moments. Paul, the, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God, our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. I, I like that right there. Don't you like that? Uh, and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. Isn't that good? That's good. Unto Timothy, my own son in the faith, Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus, when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine, neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, so do. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned, from which some, having swerved, have turned aside into vain jangling, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. But we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully, 
knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men-stealers, for liars, for perjured persons. And if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Oh, I got to stop there, don't I? Because I said we was only reading to verse 12. But I'm, gonna, I'm going to 13. Who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Now, I want to focus our attention on verse 12 primarily, and that's why I said read to verse 12. But it says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Well, I'll tell you what. The Apostle Paul is one of the greatest servants of God that ever walked the face of the earth. I mean, look at what God used him to do. What an amazing man. What an amazing ministry. Unbelievable, really. And uh, you and I benefit to this day because of his faithfulness, his commitment, and his dedication to the work of the Lord. The Apostle Paul is the pen in this passage. And of course, we know that God is simply using him to write the passage. The churches were in dire need of guidance. And so God employs Paul to the task. One of the key verses in this particular epistle is found in chapter 3, verse 15. You'll notice it there in chapter 3, verse 15, just a page or so over. It says, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of the truth. Notice again, he's talking about this idea of the church and grounding the church. And, 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 and even goes on to say here that the church is the pillar and the ground of the truth, uh, uh, the church of the living God. Well, I'll tell you what, we, he's going to establish some things for the church and he's trying to help them and, uh, to, to, to be standing on solid ground here. And Paul is writing this passage or this particular epistle to Timothy, his son in the faith. And he had invested his life in growing young men and trying to help others become the men of God they ought to be. And Timothy was one of those young men. And in the course of doing so, he expresses his gratitude to the God of heaven for ultimately placing him in the ministry, for giving him the great opportunity to be a part of the ministry of Christ. And that ministry is focused and centered around the gospel, he says. See, the ministry is about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's an amazing thing. You know, I, I think sometimes we miss the point when it comes to uh, Bible college and preparing for ministry. We get the idea that the ministry is a position. No, the ministry is not a position. It's a calling. Amen. There's a difference. See, the ministry isn't about getting a degree and then ultimately getting a position. It's about a person and about people. It's a call to, the, to, to souls that are lost. It's a call to reaching the world with the gospel. If a man does not have a desire to reach the world with the gospel, he has no reason, no right whatsoever to be even thinking about the ministry. 
If he can't even find himself witnessing and sharing the gospel with other people just to be doing it because it's, a, it's something burning in his heart, it's a yearning in his soul, then he doesn't belong in the ministry. He should have no right to be a pastor. He should have no right to be involved in the gospel ministry, at least as a position of authority like that. There is no place for a minister of the gospel who is simply seeking a position. There's only place for those who have a calling. And that is a calling that you can't run from because it's something that says, I must be about my father's business. And the Apostle Paul had that calling. Here we go again. Thank you. They, at least they remember where the switch is now. Either that or it's a different crew and they're much more trained. I don't know which it is, but either way, I think this morning's helped them a little bit. They've got a little experience under their belt now. We'll never forget where that switch is. So in 1 Timothy, we see here that Paul the Apostle is thanking the Lord for his wonderful opportunity to be in the ministry. And Again, in 1 Timothy 1.11, just the verse prior to that, we noted that he said, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. And again, the word trust implies some things. First of all, the word trust implies something committed to a person's care for use or management and for which an account must be rendered. What it's saying is basically that the Apostle Paul is thanking the Lord for the opportunity to be entrusted the ministry, yes, but that he's trusted the ministry, which means that God committed to him the care or management of the gospel and that he would have to give an account. And he says, that's all right with me. I'm okay with that. I'm I'm all right. I'll deal with that. And I thank God for that opportunity. Again, he's thanking God that he considered him faithful enough that he would trust him with the gospel ministry. And he assumes that responsibility gladly. Now, the gospel, the revelation of The fact that Jew and Gentile assemble into one body is a great theme for the Apostle Paul. That should be a great theme in our ministries as well. The gospel was committed to Paul's trust, even as it is to ours today. Paul then kicks off verse 12 by saying, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord. He's saying, what an honor to have been chosen to care for the gospel and for the blessing of the ministry. Now, I'm going to say this. There's no doubt that as a minister of the gospel, the Apostle Paul took a role that might have been somewhat different than necessarily the people that, than, 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 than he was addressing, the people that he was speaking to. But can I say this? As believers, we are all ambassadors of Jesus Christ. We're all servants and we are all uh, to, to uh, share the gospel Every one of us are ministers of the gospel in that regard. So as we go through this, I think that it's important to realize this isn't just pointed at just preachers. This is pointed to each and every servant of God who has been appointed the gospel and given the gospel, and every one of us has. That's why it's important that we all assume the responsibility of the gospel. We've all been called to the ministry. Every one of us are to take the gospel to a lost and dying world. Not one of us is exempt from that responsibility. And we ought, like the Apostle Paul, to have the kind of spirit and attitude that says, I want to thank God that he entrusted me, that he counted me faithful to do so. We ought to put put ourselves in a position where he can trust us with that gospel. So 
The first thing we need to realize as we move forward is simply this, that a servant operates from a heart of gratitude. A godly servant understands that he or she has been relieved of a debt that can never be repaid on their own. Just like that course we just sang, he paid a debt he did not owe, I owed a debt I could not pay. If there is one real reason outside of the fact that simply God is, but the idea that of what he already did for us, that ought to motivate us. That ought to cause us to want to serve God in return for all the ways he has already, in a sense, served us. Boy, that's a theme, I think, that we find throughout the, the, the Word of God, that there's an element and an attitude of gratitude, which ultimately causes the people of God to go forward in their walk, in their relationship with Christ. Paul was consumed, I believe, with that thought, as each and every one of us ought to be. Thinking of what Christ has already done, there's no responsibility too great then, no burden too heavy. If Christ could bear a cross, we can too then, is what the thought would be. So what was the Apostle Paul thankful for in the passage? What do we notice in thanking the Lord for in chapter 1, verse 12? And uh, I want to take just a moment and share those simple things in these next few minutes. So let's go to, to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this time together. Bless us and meet our needs. Fill me with your spirit, Lord. May you calm my heart and, Father, clear my mind. And enable me, Lord, to communicate your truths in an effective manner. I know, Father, that it's not going to be me. It'll be certainly thee that does the work. Father, may I be your mouthpiece tonight. Father, I beg you now to speak to my heart and work in my life and allow me to be a blessing to these thy people. May you anoint every listening ear. May we be encouraged tonight by your word, your message, and you the master. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Number number one, what was he thankful for? First of all, I believe he was thankful for his power or the power that he had. Notice it says right there in verse 12, right off the bat, he makes the statement, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me. Everything that Paul was able to do, he did as a result of the power of God in his life. So he had power, there is no doubt. The apostle Paul was somebody that others would look at and say, my goodness, God is using him in a mighty way. He has trust, tremendous power in the Lord. But it is indeed in the Lord because we see that he was enabled through a supernatural work. And that supernatural work is the grace of God in his life. In 1 Corinthians 15, 10, it says, he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, God's grace, was bestowed upon me, excuse me, was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Boy, the Apostle Paul, he understood that there was a a superior work that took place, and that superior work was grace. It wasn't just his effort, and it wasn't just his, his own personal strength or ability. He realized that God supernaturally intervened on his behalf, that he was doing an enabling work in his life, enabling through a superior work, a work of grace. And although the Apostle Paul says, I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, he says. 
Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. I think it's very important that we stop trying to give God, lay the burden on God all the time. What, and, and try to understand what I'm going to say here in a minute. For instance, there are some things, it's, it's, and we've spoken about it a number of times, and I've brought it up a few times, but it's almost like when, as we mentioned before, when the Lord goes to Lazarus' tomb and tells them to roll the stone away, I can only imagine if they looked at him and said, well, you know, Lord, we can't do anything on our own. You'll have to do that for us. But he said, no, you roll the stone away, I'll raise him up. Because, see, that is something you can do. I've already given you the ability to do so. I've given you the, uh, the intellect. I've given you the, the strength, the stamina to do so. You get two or three of you guys, you can easily roll that stone away. That's something I've already empowered you and enabled you to do physically. Now, you roll it away. And I do believe sometimes that we, as believers, some, use as an excuse that it's up to God to do it. If God wants it done, it'll get done. Nobody's already called us to do some things. We can't sit on the sideline expecting God to do what he's already told us to do. Because what he's told us to do and commanded us to do, he has enabled us to do. He's already provided us with this superior work, this work of grace in our life. And so we have no excuse for not moving forward, not accomplishing what God calls us to do. But not only do we see the superior work, we note the supernatural work that God did in Paul's life as well. I mean, it was God's supernatural power, a, a power that cannot be expressed or explained outside of God himself. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, the Apostle Paul says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves. Our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. The Apostle Paul understood that not only was there a superior work of grace being done in his life that enabled him to accomplish what God had called him to do, but there was a supernatural work that took place that gave him the stamina and the very strength that was necessary to accomplish again what God had called him to do. He was thankful for that. He says right off the bat in 1 Timothy 1.12, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me. And boy, as a believer in Christ, we ought to be thankful for how God has enabled us. Instead of talking so often about how little abilities we have or how insignificant we are or how unable we are to make a difference or an impact in the, in the church house or in the lives of others, we ought to say, no, I thank God how he has already enabled me. I mean, the superior work of grace and the supernatural work of power that he's done in my life. I have no excuse for not doing something for God. And I thank him for that. We ought to be grateful for it. Not only that, but he enabled us through a shared work. We think of the Apostle Paul again. In John chapter 15, verse 5, we read this passage. Turn, if you would, to John 15, 5. I love this passage. But there was a shared work that took place in not only Paul's life, but in every believer's life. In John 15, 5, the Lord Jesus Christ himself is sharing, and he says, I am the vine. Well, I am glad about that. He goes on to say, ye are the branches. He said, I'm the vine, and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. I mean, there's a shared work here, though. I mean, I understand and I'm aware that the vine is so awfully important and without the vine, the branches die. 
But the branches serve a purpose as well. We are in a shared work with the Lord Jesus Christ. We need Him. And in essence, He uses us. He allows us to have a part and a place in the work of God. A shared work. In Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. Even unto the end of the world. Amen. Again, we're in this together with him. And the Apostle Paul is excited. And the Apostle Paul is thankful that he was enabled by the Lord Jesus Christ, enabled through a superior work of grace, enabled through a supernatural work of God's power, enabled through a shared work with the Lord Jesus Christ. And may I say that you and I can be thankful for the exact same thing tonight. We have been enabled. The next time you feel like you are unable to perform some kind of task on God's behalf, the next time you feel that you are useless in the work of God, my friend, you need to remember that enabling work that God has done in your life. Well, I could never, never witness to somebody. I could never open my mouth and share the gospel. Oh, I could never make a difference in a life. I could never teach in a Sunday school class. I could never be on a bus route. I could never. Why not? While the negativity, maybe it's because we failed to recognize what God has already done in our lives. And he's enabled us. A superior work, a supernatural work, a shared work. But not only that, we notice Paul's power here in the passage, but notice Paul's praise. He goes on here in the passage to say it this way. He says, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful. He counted me faithful. Man, Paul's praise. He's so thankful that God counted him faithful. When's the last time you said, Lord, thank you. Thank you that you counted me faithful to ride the bus or to be a captain or to go be a part of the Sunday school. God, I want to thank you that you counted me faithful to entrust the gospel to my care, to witness to my mother, to witness to my daddy, to witness to my brother, to witness to somebody. Thank you you trusted me with that. We ought to be thankful and praise God that he counted us faithful. Paul's honored again. He's grateful that he's counted faithful to have had the gospel entrusted into his care. Boy, I tell you what, the steward's responsibility is found in 1 Corinthians 4, 2. It says, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. It is required. That's an important word. It's required. Now, I don't know if you realize this. I know that sometimes I'd like to dismiss this part of it of my life, but I am really a steward, which means I'm required to be faithful. It's not optional. I don't get to decide whether or not, as a believer, I want to choose to sit on the sideline and say, well, it's up, it's, God, that, I'll leave that to someone else. I'm a steward. According to the Word of God, a steward. I have no right to take my place on the sideline watching others perform and others serve and others sacrifice. I am to be faithful. And if all I can do is sit, then that's indeed what I will do. But if I can do something else and God has called me and God has given me a reason to go forward and that's clear that he wants me to, I'm not sitting and watching others serve. I'm required to be faithful. 
This idea that we get to choose whether or not we want to be faithful to church, be faithful in our Bible reading, be faithful to prayer, be faithful to study, be faithful to witness, be faithful, be faithful. That's not optional for the believer. That's a requirement. It is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Someone says, well, I don't want to be a steward. Well, you bought into this thing already. You already trusted Christ. Too bad. You're in. Steward's responsibility. We know the steward's reward, though. It's a wonderful thing. There can be no greater accolade, no greater praise given to the servant than that of faithful. I, I don't know about you, but the thought of God being pleased with my effort, that's an amazing thought to me. Man, I want God to be pleased with me. I want God to be pleased with the effort I put forward in his word, the effort I put forward in his work. I want to hear God say, well done, thou good and faithful servant one day. And I trust and hope you do too. I believe that being here tonight is proof positive that you want God to hear, say those things. But boy, I tell you what, we've got to be faithful. And if we are, I tell you what, the steward has a reward awaiting him or her. In Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6, the Bible says, But a faithful man, who can find? It's difficult to find faithful. It's hard to find that faithful today. I mean, I, I mean let's face it. How many people have you met along the way that, that you knocked on their door or you've spoken to them in a, at a meeting or possibly at some kind of uh, at, at work or maybe even at some family function and they say things like, Yeah, I was saved when I was younger. Really, what church you attend? I don't go to church. Why? Well, you know, I just don't agree with, I don't agree with organized religion anymore. What's that mean? Do you agree with organized school? I mean, you agree with organized businesses? I'm just saying everything has to be organized or it's total chaos and confusion. What they're really saying is they don't want accountability. They don't want authority. And I'm sorry to say that's not the way a believer ought to live. Hey, listen, it's hard to find faithful today. And tonight, I'm thankful to say even in the midst of a a 65-mile-an-hour wind gust, we've got some faithful people here. And if there weren't so many sick, we'd have a few more, I'm sure. Thank God for that faithfulness. But boy, I tell you what, just like that, any one of us could cease being faithful. We've got to be so careful. The devil is so, so good at what he does, so subtle. I want to hear him say, well done. I know I do. I'm sure you do as well. I, and I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful. We see Paul's power. We note Paul's praise. But another thing he's thankful for, and another thing we note about Paul is his position. Paul's position. Again, in the passage, he says, And I thank Christ Jesus, who hath enabled me, our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Now, again, we're going to quantify that statement a little bit. There is no doubt that there is a specific calling to where Paul sits to that, there in this passage. But there's also the side of it that each and every one of us have been called. We note that in the, in, in the epistles. Every one of us 
have been called. Matter of fact, we're to be, according to Philippians, we're to be pursuing that. Turn, if you would, to Philippians chapter 3. I've got to find it here. I just My mind went blank and I can't remember the passage off the top of my head, but let me, let me find it here. Well, I hope I got the right one. I'm in the wrong book, I think. It's Colossians, Ephesians. Mm. Oh, boy. I knew my mind was blank for some reason. I might be in the wrong place. Um, I'm sorry, I'm having one of those times where you just, you go blank completely here. This is, what's that, you got it? What is it? in Ephesians? What, what chapter, brother? Oh. <laughs> no, I knew what the book was, brother. I'm just trying to figure out where my passage is. Hey, I appreciate that, though. 313, okay. All right, and, and, and that's in Philippians? Okay, boy, I'll tell you what, I am losing my mind here, boy. Yes, there you go. That's good. Thank you so much. That's good. I love when the Holy Spirit speaks out verbally in the service. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Verse 13, chapter 3 of Philippians. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you something. Every believer has a calling. And I, I mean, I'm just saying that, that Paul the Apostle now is saying, I'm so glad you put me in the ministry. I'm so thankful that you called me out and and did this. And I'm just saying, whether or not you are standing behind a pulpit proclaiming the truth from that position, that place or not, you still have a calling and you're still in the ministry and you have a position. And so I do believe it's important that we're grateful for this position that God's placed us in. Whether it's, again, behind a pulpit or whether it's in the pew, it's in front of a Sunday school class and a bus route, wherever it may be, wherever, whether it's at a door giving the gospel or at work giving the gospel, it doesn't matter. A wonderful opportunity there. Paul, in chapter 9, verse 15, and should it say, the Lord said, but the Lord said unto him, go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and before the children of Israel. Well, the Apostle Paul has, been, has met the Lord Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. And now all of a sudden we have here uh, Ananias, who's been told by the Lord to go meet him. Why? Because he's a chosen vessel that God has a specific work for him to do. And he says he's going to bear my name before the Gentiles, the kings, and the children of Israel. That word ministry, it's an interesting word, this ministry, putting me into the ministry. It's from the, the root word diakonos. And that's the same root word or same word that's used in the, when it's dealing with deacons. It has to do with a servant in relationship to his, or her, to his work. As a, as a deacon, it would be her, his work. The idea here is that each of us has a ministry or service to the Lord. Everyone does. Every last one of us. Take your Bible. Turn over to 1 Corinthians 12, 12. We all have a spot. We all have a place and a position. In 1 Corinthians 12, 12, we'll start there, and then we'll look at verses 15 through 18 as well. We all have a place. Notice it says in verse 12, 
chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. We see a body being referred to and spoken of. Notice in 1 Corinthians 12 again, verse 15 now, we drop down. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were a hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. Now, this is a difficult passage for some because if we're not careful, we fall into the trap of complaining just like he's explaining it here. Well, because I'm not the hand, obviously I don't matter. I'm not, uh, because I'm not the, he goes on to talk about here, he goes, because I'm not the ear, well, What's the point? Nobody cares about me. I'd rather be an eye than an ear. I'd rather be a hand than a foot. See, that's what happens to us sometimes. If we're not careful, we get this this jealousy building up in us. I don't know why, you know, I I wish I would get to do this. I wish they'd ask me to do that. Or I, I believe I deserve to be in that position we got to be careful with that. See, we, we, put, we, we look at things from the human perspective so often in the church like this hierarchy. Wow, there's the pastor way up there, and then everybody else falls in line. Yeah, I get what you're doing. I, I understand the mental, mental uh, picture of that, but that's not really how God intended it. God looks at us as a body, and God looks at us all equal parts. You can't function without the other. We're all equal. I, I guarantee you, go ahead and lose your big toe and see how you feel. Go ahead and cut your thumb off and see how good you do with picking things up. I mean, go ahead and hurt your back someday and see how easy it is to get around and how much you appreciated that back before. After now, you don't have the use of it, so to speak. I'm just saying, you go ahead and take any part of the body, you lose it, and all of a sudden you miss it. And that's what we're trying to understand in the passage. Everybody has a place. And you say, but I don't like my place. Well, then you pray and ask God to work it out. Maybe he has another place for you in the future. Prepare yourself, ready yourself, have the kind of spirit and attitude you ought to have. And God may just, in his grace, move you into another role, another responsibility. But let me tell you something. You ought to be real careful with wanting big jobs, big responsibility. I mean, it's interesting in the, in the word of God that you will find that the greatest servants of God would be more than happy to step out of that role and take a subservient one. You'd find that to be the case. Very few men of God, especially that have ever done anything great for God, are the ones that jumped up to the forefront because they said, well, I'm the man for the job. They didn't do that. You know what they saw? A tremendous need. And God put it on their heart to fill that, that spot. It wasn't because they wanted that response. It wasn't because they wanted some accolade. It wasn't because they wanted to have some people telling them how great they were. Most great men of God, great women of God, would be glad to work in the wings. Quite happy to do so. 
quite happy to run a simple bus route, quite happy to teach a Sunday school class, quite content to simply work in the nursery, quite happy to just simply clean a toilet. And sadly enough, in the world we live in, we gauge success based on positions and we somehow miss the, miss the understanding that God has a place for everyone. And that place may not be the same, but let me tell you, it is just as valuable and important. And so somebody says, well, I'm, I'm just this. I just do this. It doesn't matter. It's no big deal. They can do without me this week. Like I said, go ahead and cut your thumb off. See how good you do that week. You say, well, I don't need that little toe. I don't know. I do. Someone says, yeah, but I'm not very significant. I'm not that important. I'm just an ear. You ever see somebody with only one? I'm just saying the church needs all to be all together. Everybody plays a role. Everybody has a part. We all have a place. And Paul was thankful for his place. Someone says, well, of course he was. Look at him. He got the right 13 books of the New Testament. Possibly 14. Of course he was. Yeah, I know. And he was in jail too. And he was beaten too. And he ultimately was martyred. You want to trade places? I'm just saying, come on now. Let's think it through before we jump to conclusions. See, with every position comes a responsibility. With every position comes a burden. What looks to be simple sometimes may not be as easy. Maybe we ought to be grateful for where we're at, content with the position God's given us, and allow him to have the right to do with us as he pleases. See, we all have a position. We all have a part. And you know what? We all have a prize. Over in the book of 1 Corinthians 9, 24, the Bible says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. Now, if one say, well, yeah, there you go. Only one person wins a race. Guess what? Aren't you grateful that you're only running against yourself? The truth is we're not to judge ourselves between each other. I'm not to look at you and measure my spirituality based on yours. You're not to look at me and measure it based on me. You're to look at the Lord Jesus Christ and measure yourself on, by that standard, Him. See, we're running a race against ourselves, really. We're to become everything we're supposed to be in Christ Jesus. And you can win the prize. You say, well, I'm just a simple usher. They won't miss me. No, you, you, your faithfulness is recognized. It will be remembered, even rewarded one day. 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, the apostle Paul said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. But he didn't stop there. He went on to say, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. Amen. Aren't you glad that it's not just the Apostle Paul that's going to be rewarded one day? His position wasn't superior to any one of ours. He had a role to play, a responsibility to perform. God had called him into the ministry. And may I say, God's called you into the ministry tonight. You say, but I'm not in the ministry. Then get in the ministry. 
Make it your life to do so. I'm not just talking about serving in the church. I'm talking about serving in the community in your own way. Reaching out to people that you work with or that you come into contact with. Tell people about Jesus Christ. Make a difference in the world. And that will translate to ministry in the church. I'll guarantee you if you are a witness in the world, you'll want to be a minister in the church. you'll find that your heart will not stop at the door of the church. And when you walk in the door and go, you know, I just don't want to teach. I don't want to have nothing to do with reaching out to anybody else, kids, adults, anything. I just want to sit and soak. I guarantee if you're out there witnessing to people, you're concerned about souls out there, you'll be concerned about souls everywhere you go, including the house of God. It'll all work out. So we find here in the passage, we see here Paul's, power, his praise, his position. Well, we all have the same things going here. I'm just glad the Lord Jesus Christ looks at each of us and says, you know what? You're my minister. I've called you. Now let's be faithful ministers. Let's say as the apostle Paul did, and I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who hath enabled me. Can you say that tonight? You can say that because it is true. It is absolutely true. Who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful. I wonder now. Can he say that? Can you say that? Having put me, putting me into the ministry. Because sometimes we're in the ministry doing the work of God and we're not as faithful as we ought to be. Let's make sure we're the faithful servant we ought to be. That we don't let the Lord Jesus Christ down. He didn't let us down. Let's not let him down. Remember, he paid a debt he did not owe. He owed a debt he did not. We owed a debt. He he paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. Don't forget about that, all right? So important. Gratitude. So tonight, I wonder, even the Apostle Paul said he was so grateful, so thankful that he counted him faithful. Would God count you faithful tonight? And you know what? I'm not talking about how we see you. Because tonight, there's a group of faithful people to church tonight from my perspective. The question is, how does he see you tonight? Only you can really answer that question. Only you can answer it. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for the people of God. We thank you, Father, for the faithfulness that Father is exhibited and appears to be evident in lives. But yet, Lord, you know the heart more than anyone else. You know our hearts. Lord, although we may be be doing the right things at times, maybe our heart's not as faithful as it ought to be. Maybe our reasons for doing what we do aren't always pure motives. Help us, Lord, to simply be be aware of, not only aware, but sensitive to your spirit and your leading in that area. May we be content in the position and the place you put us Lord, may we just do our best to be everything we ought to be. And Lord, doing so, we know that, Father, in the end, you're going to use us more and more as time goes on. Now, Father, be with us, we pray. We need you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand.